man, I just, I've been loving going through Genesis and, and how this whole thing of, of the foundation of how God created us and, and, and how we came to be. And then now Abraham, God singling him out and calling him out. Man, it's been amazing. Have y'all been reading on your own? Anybody? One? Yeah, we got one. Praise God, one's reading. No, man, hey, I want to encourage you. You know, don't just take Bill and I, don't take our word for it, man. Go home and, and, and read it. Read ahead, man, and, and because it's so important that you read because, you know, God speaks to us where we are, okay? So I may share a message today, and, and, and I may share what, what God's revealed to me, and sometimes he does that to reveal to all of us, but, man, God wants to talk to you. You know, it's a personal relationship with him, right? God wants to speak to you. So you go home, man, and you read it. Read ahead. You know, I think if you read ahead, when we come together and we worship and we go over it together, I think God just, the Holy Spirit just explodes. I mean, he blows this place up when we do that. So I want to encourage you, man, to do that. Uh, today, uh, we're in chapter 17. I want to do a little quick recap from 16 because we had baptism last week. And... Uh, you know, chapter 16, man, what, what was the, anybody remember? What was the uh, gist of chapter 16? Waiting. Waiting. I'm tired of waiting. Anybody get tired of waiting? Huh? Yeah, we do. Every one of us do, right? Sarah was tired of waiting on God for a child. Sarah was just tired of waiting on God. She takes matters into her own hands. She follows the system of the world at that time. Decided that Abraham would sleep with her slave girl, Hagar, to provide a child. Abram agrees. Knucklehead. He agrees. He sleeps with Hagar. They have a child. and She gets pregnant. This is the slave that, that he was given in Egypt. And they have a child, and from that moment on, there's nothing but conflict, stress, strife, fighting, and, and, and turmoil in their life. And it's still going on today. They produce a son of the flesh. His name was Ishmael. means God hears. And God called him. Y'all remember what God called him? He's a wild donkey of a man. A wild donkey of a man. That would always be in conflict, his hand against others, and others' hand against him. And I thought about that thing, man. I got last week after the message, I thought, how many decisions have I made that's produced a son of the flesh, that's produced a wild donkey in my life? Think about that. How many decisions, how many choices, how many of us are struggling today with, or suffering, I, I should say, uh, from consequences? made years ago a wild donkey of a decision. A wild donkey produced in our life because we didn't wait on God. I, I would say most of us are there. What we can do in the flesh, look man, what we do in the flesh, that's our power, our strength, our wisdom, will never be better, will never satisfy the way God wants to satisfy us. Y'all believe that? See, if we believe that, then we got to live it. That's what faith is. 
But more often than not, man, we, we, we don't believe it because we're not living it, right? We're out here doing what we think we can do in our power, in our strength, in my timing, and we're, we keep producing wild donkeys. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. Bill read that this morning. We didn't plan that. Be still. Stop. Stop in the flesh. Stop. Do you trust God? You think God's better? You think God's ways are better? You think God ain't already got it figured out? Isaiah 64, 4. For since the world began, no ear is heard, no eye is seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for Him. That's pretty strong. So wait. 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 Look, we got desires. Y'all have desires of your heart? Y'all want things? I'm not talking about worldly things. I'm talking about... You know, internal things. I mean, you know, emotional things, mental things. I mean, spiritual things. I mean, they're things we all want, right? Then wait on God. Let God do it. If God does it, what's going to happen? It's going to be what? It's going to be perfect. You can't mess perfect up. But otherwise, it's going to be a what? A wild donkey. Let's see, perfect wild donkey. Ain't a hard choice, is it? Now, here we are today in 17. So they're living in that, okay? You got to think. Here's Abram. They've had Ishmael. So they're living in this wild donkey of a situation, okay? So here we are in 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. He said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, Ishmael, uh, not Ishmael, but Abraham has been, he was first called when he was how old? You guys remember? 75. He was called when he was 75. He's 99. He's almost 100 years old. He was called 25 years ago. Okay? 25 years. Right now, it's been 13 years since Ishmael was born. Where's God been in 13 years? Man, do you know from the end of 16 to the beginning of 17, 13 years has taken place. God's been silent. Nothing. And we get mad because God don't answer our prayer this afternoon. All of a sudden, God appears to Abraham. Look, he didn't speak to him. He, he showed up. Okay? He show, I'm El Shaddai. Look, I'm God Almighty. I am the all-sufficient one. I am God who displays his power. I'm the one that has his hand on everything. Everything. Abram, I want you to serve me. I want you to walk before me faithfully and live a blameless life. Now, what does that blameless life mean? Can anybody live a blameless life? Is it possible to live a blameless life? See, that's a problem sometimes I think in, 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 in the world we, we get words mixed up. He didn't say walk perfectly before me. He said live a blameless life. 
Now, is there a difference? Well, let's look over it. The Bible interprets itself, right? Look at Job 1.1. Job 1.1. In the land of us, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless. This man was blameless and upright. He, and here, God gives us the definition of blameless. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, what does fear of God mean? What does it mean to fear God? Huh? Respect. It's a, it's a respect and a reverence. Okay? I respect, I revere God. And I shun evil. I don't want to make any decisions. I don't want any wild donkeys in my life. Okay? So, so in other words, the world looks at us, the world looks at my life and goes, you know, there ain't nothing I can say negative about that cat. That, that guy loves Jesus. That, that, that girl loves Jesus. And I really can't see anything in their life that would cause me to not want to serve Jesus. Now, let me ask you again. Can anybody live a blameless life? Yes. We can live a blameless life. But you know the only people that can live a blameless life? Dead people. Yeah, you got to die to yourself. You got to die to yourself, and we got to stop producing wild donkeys. Is that making sense? Is that connecting? We got to wait on God. That's the only way we're going to be able to live a blameless life. We have a healthy respect and reverence for Him, and then I'm not going to do anything. I don't want to do anything. I don't want anything in my life that's going to bring Him shame and dishonor. That's how to live a blameless life. At this, it says verse 3, at this Abram fell down face ground. I mean, fell down face down on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It'll no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. Now, what's the difference there? Well, Abraham means father of many. How many kids did he have? One. And it wasn't God's promised son. It was one, a wild donkey, right? For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become my nation, uh, many nations, your king, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Now here the first time, first time God has mentioned that multiple nations and kings would come from Abraham's descendants. And Abram's name is changed to, to Abraham, the father of many. Look, as if, listen, listen, check this out. As if the promise has already happened. He only had one kid. It wasn't the promised son from God. It was a wild donkey that he and Sarah and Hagar created. But God says, look, I'm changing your name as if this thing has already happened in your life. See, that's what happens when you wait on God. That's what happens, man, when you wait on God. And have you noticed here that how God keeps repeating His promise? Have you all noticed that? 
I mean, over and over. Three times God has repeated his promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and now in Genesis 17. Why do you think God, why do you think God keeps repeating himself? George said it this morning in prayer. Look, man, at 9 o'clock, I know it's early. 9 o'clock ain't early. That was a joke. Some of y'all get that after this afternoon. Oh, come to prayer at 9 o'clock. If you want God to bless you, if you want to go to another level spiritually, then show up for prayer on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. George talked and brought a devotion this morning about listening, listening to God. Are you listening? Are we listening? That's why God keeps repeating himself, because what? We're not listening. How many of y'all had, y'all had teenagers, y'all had kids? Anybody? Do y'all ever repeat yourself to your youngins? Huh? Did you have to have, ever have to tell them multiple times to do stuff? Why? They're hard-headed. They're hard-headed. They don't listen. Not paying attention, right? See, some of y'all this morning ain't paying attention. Y'all know I can see y'all, right? I mean, I'm just saying. We're hard-headed. We ain't paying attention. We don't really listen. Look, look. We don't believe. We, we, really, we, we really don't believe. Because if we did, what would happen? There would be change in our life if we really believed. We're easily distracted and lose focus. Huh? What was that? We're easily distracted. We lose focus. Some little thing goes off, some little thing, flashy light. Squirrel. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. We are, man. I'm telling you, look, look. This ain't no joke. Satan's real. You think Satan ain't trying to distract you? To blind your eyes and close your ears? We don't wait on God because we don't want to do our thing. And we get stuff jacked up and produce wild donkeys. See, God keeps repeating himself. Here's the number one thing. God keeps repeating himself because God wants us to put our faith in him. Nothing else. Trust me, J.D. Agree, agree with me in my word, J.D. Act on obedience or act in obedience to me, J.D. That's why God repeats himself. Because God, man, look, if you don't get nothing else out of today, here's what I want you to get. God wants you to get it. Y'all know that? God wants us to get it. He wants us to understand the gospel. He wants us to understand the relationship. God's not trying to keep us from him. He's trying to bring us into him. That's amazing. Hebrews 11, 6 says, look, it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. You're not going to please him without faith. That's why he keeps repeating himself. Anyone that wants to come to him must believe God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Not a ministry. No, seek him. Not something to do. No, him. And then, and then God gives Abram, or Abraham now a mark 
uh, he gives him a sign of the promise. In verse 9, then God said to Abraham, look, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now, you got to go back. Sometimes I have to go back. In Genesis 15, remember God established a blood covenant? Y'all remember that? God told Abraham, hey, or Abram then, I want you to go get some animals. I want you to split them in half, and I want you to put them on one on this side and one half on this side. Okay, that was a blood covenant. And, and remember God caused Abraham or Abram to fall in a deep sleep. And God, he saw him as, a, as, a, as a, a fiery smoking pot and then a torch walked through the animals. Well, that was God walking through the animals. Where was Abraham at? He was in a deep sleep. Abraham didn't do anything. So God walked through the covenant. Okay, And the whole purpose of a blood covenant was saying this. Look, if I don't fulfill my covenant, if I don't fulfill my promise, may this splitting be done to me. May I be cut in half. Okay, well, God walked through it. Abraham didn't do nothing. Well, now all of a sudden, God's requiring two things. Okay? God's saying, look, Abraham, it's time for you to sign the covenant. It's time for you to sign the agreement. Okay? I want you, number one, to be obedient to me. I want you to walk faithfully in, in me. I want you to walk faithfully in this world. Be blameless. I don't want you to live your life in any way that people are going to look at you and go, I don't want that, God. I want you to bring glory and honor to me. And then, and then there's going to be a mark. There's going to be a mark that I require. Why circumcision? Y'all ever have questions like that? I mean, why in the world? Of all things, you know, I mean, cut my little finger off or something, little toe, something. Why, why circumcision? Well, you know, here's the thing, man. We don't really have a definitive answer in the Bible. There is nothing in the Bible that I could find. Maybe you, you, you may find something else, but there's no definitive answer why God used that. We can speculate, but we don't know. Here's some things that I think. This is, this is some things that, that, that I've come up with. This is a JD thing. Okay? Sarah and Abraham tried to fulfill God's promise in the flesh. So God had Abraham cut away part of the flesh as a constant reminder of you doing in the flesh what only I can do. That's just one. It separated Abraham and his descendants from the rest of the world. Now, I, I don't know that if, if circumcision was, was being practiced in other cultures at that time, but it certainly separated people who were living under God's promise from the rest of the world. It, it, was, it was a symbol. It was a symbol of cutting away the flesh, right? When I walk faithfully with God in Christ, what's cut away? 
If I'm walking faithfully with Christ, what's cut away? The flesh, isn't it? I mean, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, look, if a man wants to follow me, take up his cross, die to himself, right? Die, you got to die. That's pretty much cutting away the flesh, isn't it? And then look, all of Abraham's descendants, when reproducing, their seed would go through the mark. As if to say, there's not a child going to be born to you that doesn't go through my mark, that doesn't go through my covenant, that doesn't come through me. That's pretty awesome. And then I think it's a foreshadowing of the circumcision that's done by God in Jesus Christ. Right? So, and, and, and here, what do you mean circumcision by Jesus Christ? Well, look, that's what happens to us in Christ. Here, here, here's how. Uh, now, that was an issue with the Jewish people. Okay? Because when, when Jesus came, he, he died, he was rose to new, raised to new life, okay? The, the end of that Abrahamic covenant was, was now done, okay? There's no need for circumcision anymore because Jesus is our circumcision, okay? He's the one that does it. We don't need a man circumcising us because now God's going to circumcise us. And here's why, you know, and that, that's a lot like baptism. It can get real confusing, and I don't want to go... I don't want to go on a different tangent today, but it's, it's kind of like baptism, okay? Think about it this way. How many people got baptized before and you just got wet? You got baptized because you were checking something off the list. Well, I guess I need to get baptized. But there was no change in here. There was no change in here. You weren't walking faithfully, okay? You weren't living a blameless life because you surrendered your life to Christ. You just said, hey, I, I think I need to get baptized, it's some religious ritual, right? Well, what is circumcision? It's a religious ritual, right? And we go through that, and that's where the Jewish people were at, man. After Jesus is, is, is died and raised from the dead, they, they began trusting in the act of circumcision, the sign of circumcision, more than the promise that God gave them. And that's when Paul, Paul wrote this, man. Look, 1 Corinthians 7, 19. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. Galatians 5, 6. Look, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And in Romans 2, 28, 29. Look, you're not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks to praise or receives praise from God, not from people. And probably one of the best descriptions is Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Look, Paul writes, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, the flesh. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's, that's the difference. 
But this is the beginning of the Abrahamic covenant, right? So God's telling Abraham, this is the mark, okay? Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus is going to be coming in the future. But he said, look, for now, right now, this is a mark that you're going to have to, you know, this is the seal, in other words, right? Now, today, what is our seal? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is our seal. But back then, the seal was circumcision. All those that refused were cut off. Just like all of us today who refuse Jesus and the Holy Spirit, what happens to us? You're cut off. So God gave them that. And then God changes Sarah's name. He says to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name's no longer to be Sarah. For now on, it'll be Sarah, H, princess or mother of a ruler of nations. I'm going to bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I'll, rest, I'll bless her richly. She'll become the mother of nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants, right? And this is the first time that Sarah has been brought into the promise. First time that God has said it's going to come through her, okay? Verse 17, then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. Now, wouldn't you look, think about it. You're 99 years old. Sarah's 89. Let's say, say 190, okay? Wouldn't you be laughing too? Huh? I mean, you look, man, you're dried up, right? I mean, 99, I don't know many 99 men, man, that the sexual uh, reproductive system isn't a little bit weak. Okay? So Abraham's going, <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus, but, you know, he's laughing on the inside. <laughs> he said, how could I become a father at the age of 100? How can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? Then, then Abraham says this, so Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Ishmael's 13, Okay. At the age of 13, most Jewish boys, they go through a thing called a bar mitzvah. Y'all heard of that? Where they, go, they move from, from being a boy to a man. It's, it's the passage of, 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 of a right way of passage, okay? So Abraham's thinking, okay, he's 13. He's moving from puberty. He's moving, moving from, from uh, adolescence into manhood now. So, hey, it's, the blessing's got to be with Ishmael. God said, verse 19, no, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. Isaac means he laughs. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. And look, as for Ishmael, I will bless him also just as you, as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. So now, stop there for a minute. You can see where the battle, can you see where the battle's coming now? Between Ishmael and the 12 princes and Abraham, who had Isaac, who has Jacob, who becomes Israel, who has the 12 tribes of Israel. Can you see the, the conflict now from the wild donkey Ishmael? Okay. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God left speaking and when God finished speaking he left Abraham so 
Abram's mind is just, right? It's been 13 years, complete silence, nothing from God. All of a sudden, he doesn't hear from God, but God shows up. Okay, we don't know what form God manifests himself, but God shows up and tells him all of this. And then, and look at Abram's response. I want you to check this response out, right? Verse 23, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised, circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins just as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. And Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on that same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants, all were circumcised with him. I'm crazy in the way I think about some things. Remember when Lot was captured? Genesis 15. Abraham had 318 men trained in his household to go do battle. This, that was 25 years ago. This, this time, after 25 years, I don't know how many sons were produced to those 350, uh, 318 men. I got to say probably, there's probably 500 men in Abraham's family who are of age, right? That's an awkward and painful day. I'm just saying, man, you got 500 men, and then you're going to circumcise. I don't know if he circumcised himself or if Sarah came and circumcised him. I don't know. But, man, that is an awkward and a painful day to have to circumcise 500 men. No, Hey, look, Moses couldn't even do it with his own child. You know, in Exodus chapter 4, God was going to kill Moses on his way to Egypt. God was going to take him out. Because he didn't circumcise his own son. And Moses' wife had to circumcise their son because Moses couldn't do it. Abraham's got 500 dudes he's got to circumcise. Yeah. Let's let that sink in for a minute. Let that soak for a minute. Obedience to God. Listen, man, don't miss this. This is so good. Obedience to God was instant and immediate. God, forgive me. Because there's times in my life where my obedience is not instant and immediate. Every male in his household, was circumcised that day. Guys, look, what we do says more about our faith than what we say. What we do says more about our faith in Jesus Christ than anything we could say, any t-shirt we could wear, okay? Let's all make a covenant with one another today. That we're going to instantly, immediately obey God. And if you refuse to do that today, then just understand, man, there's a cutting off that may take place in your life. And that's not J.D.'s word, that's God's word.
And man, and not only was this a great act of obedience, man, this was a great act of faith and trust in God. Okay? Look, they're living in a foreign land. Okay? When you circumcise 500 of your men, okay, there ain't nobody can do battle if somebody raises up against you. There ain't nobody can, can, can take care of the herd. Nobody can, can take care of the flocks. I mean, what are they doing? I mean, they're healing, right? I mean, there ain't nothing happening. Okay? I mean, it happened to me when I was born. It took me a, a, a whole year before I could walk. I was a baby. <laughs> Look, man, they, 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 they are vulnerable. Are they not vulnerable? I mean, anybody could attack them. Look at the trust and faith in God. Man, that's huge. That's huge. So, so here's four things, man, that, 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 that God spoke to me about today. Four things I got out of this. One, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible to God. Why do we discount or disbelieve God's ability to do the impossible in our life? Okay, now let me stop there for a minute. Put the kickstand down. Remember that wild donkey that, that was produced in your life? Guys, there's some consequences. There's some consequences for the wild donkeys that we may have to live with or live in till the day we die. Would you all agree with that? But God, but God, but God, nothing is impossible with God. I believe God is a restorer. I believe God is a redeemer. I believe God can, it, it may not be what we had in mind, right? But God has restoration. God has reconciliation. God has redemption in plan for us. Not so much. Been there, done that. But with God, nothing is impossible. Here's number two. Why am I living in the flesh when all God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus? Why am I still producing these wild donkeys when God's already given me everything in Jesus? All that I'm trying to create in my life over here is already available for me in Jesus. Everything? Yes, everything. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, it's there for us in Jesus. Stop producing the wild donkeys. Stop trying to do it in the flesh. Because you know what, guys? The flesh ain't going to work out. It's not. Now, you know what? Satan comes along and Satan will bless Satan will bless, and sometimes there's a distraction, and sometimes we're deceived, and, and what we think is a blessing is Satan blessing us to keep us from experiencing and, and, and receiving all the promises of Jesus Christ. Y'all know that? Look, man, we've experienced that. Everything that comes along as success may not be from God. That's why the Bible says, look, man, you need to get into God's Word and you need to test the spirits, right? To see if it's from Him. 
Man, the promises of God are so much better than the flesh. There ain't nothing we got that's better than Jesus Christ. Nothing. So why why we keep doing things our way instead of his way? Why? Galatians 5, 24, Paul said, Look, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That means we, we, we've died. Mr. Ted said it 100 years ago, right? Stop trying, start dying. Stop trying, start dying. How often do we say, well, I'm just, how many of you ever say that? Probably once a day, once a week. Well, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to. Stop, just die. Just die and, and, and give it to God. Let God do what he wants to do. It's going to be so much better than what you could do anyway. Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Do we really understand what full commitment is? I mean, we do, but we act like we don't. Y'all got kids? Y'all fully committed to your kids? Now, some parents I know aren't. When you got pregnant, it was nine months before that baby came. I mean, you were fully committed in that, right? We get married, okay? Some aren't. But when you get married, you say, hey, I'm committing to this person for the rest of my life, okay? We have jobs we commit to. You guys in the military, praise God. You sign your name on the line you, you sacri- you're saying, I'm sacrificing my life for my country. Every day we get up, we go to work. We do, man, we do things. We know what a full commitment is, right? But spiritually we act like we don't. Look, full commitment is dying. Full commitment is dying and letting the Holy Spirit raise us up in Him to live in Christ. That's, that's full commitment. Here's the third thing. Abraham instantly, immediately obeyed God. Even when it was painful and awkward. He didn't go to his life group. He didn't call his best friend. He didn't get on Facebook. He didn't, he didn't come and pray about it. He didn't put a prayer request in. You know, he didn't, none of that. He just, what did he do the same day? What did he do? He and his whole household were circumcised because that's what God commanded him to do. Man, that's one I think where we could really grow. That's one I think we could really learn, okay? Stop praying about it. Stop thinking. If God's speaking to you, now, we need to confirm it sometimes, right? You confirm it in God's Word. You confirm it in prayer. You confirm it with other mature believers. But, man, if you know God's speaking to you about something, then what, what, what are you waiting for? And I really believe, man, this is a JD thing. I believe some of the things that we're praying for happen in our obedience. And because I'm not willing to obey God and the thing He's calling me to do, I'm cutting off. I'm, I'm the problem in my prayer life because I'm not willing to be obedient. If we just simply obey God, that may be the avenue, that may be the door to where God wants to fulfill those desires of our heart. I really believe that. Here's the last thing. Circumcision is still a requirement. Not physically, but what? 
spiritually? Have we been circumcised by the Spirit of God? And I'll read that Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Look, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care what your situation is. Nothing is impossible with, with God. Stop living in the flesh. Let's stop living in the flesh and producing these wild donkeys in our life when we've got the promised son. Instantly, immediately obey God. Even when it's painful and when it's awkward. Surrender, sacrifice your life to the Holy Spirit. Let Him circumcise you. Let Him cut that off. You know, sometimes it's hard to die to yourself, isn't it? But I want to do what I want to do. Anybody else like that? Most of you lying. I want to do what I want to do. Sometimes you've got to be surrendered to let, to let the Holy Spirit do that in you. Let, let Jesus circumcise you, cutting away that sinful nature, transforming us from the inside out. From the inside out to live in His promise. And man, when we do that, when we do that, we will become a people. We will become God's people. The people, look, here's the thing. We'll become the people that God was hoping Abraham and his descendants would become. Now, did God know? Did God know they were going to be knuckleheads? Yes. But what was God's desire? God's desire is that they would be the people who had a reverence and a respect for him, who loved him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and who walked blamelessly in the world for him. They represented him in such a way that everybody in the world wanted what they had. I really believe we can have that. I do, man. I, I believe we can have that. As the band comes today and plays, man, ask yourself. Go back and read this thing. Ask, ask yourself this one thing, man. Have I been circumcised by the Holy Spirit? Has He cut away that sinful nature in me? And I think through this, through this whole message, you know the greatest test of that question? that The answer to that question is in our instant and immediate obedience. Because if, if we're not willing to instantly and immediately obey then we need to back up, don't we? We're going to have to back up because some circumcision needs to take place in our life. Father, I praise you. I thank you for today. May you be glorified, Lord. 
I don't understand. I have to admit, Lord, I don't understand everything that you're trying to communicate here. But, Lord, for me, that's, that's what I got out of the message today. You can do all things. Nothing's impossible for you. J.D., stop living in the flesh and creating them wild donkeys. Live in the promise of my son. I need you to instantly, immediately obey me. Even when it's painful and awkward. Be all in for me, J.D. Be all in for me. Let the Holy Spirit circumcise. Let the Holy Spirit cut that sinful nature away. Let him transform. Let me, J.D., transform you from the inside out into this person I want you to be for me. So the world can see Jesus. Father, I pray at our response time that we will respond appropriately. I pray, Father, that we would instantly and immediately obey. In Jesus' name, amen.